When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Friday, December 9th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 490 featuring Keith Smith from SpotTrack and Celtics Blog is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Oh, man. This is good. This is good, folks. The NBA leading Celtics, 21 and 5, and we get to talk about it. Welcome into Celtics Beat. Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, we're always here with you. And of course, our very special guest today, Keith Smith from Celtics Blog. You know him there. You see his takeaways after every single game, spot track. He's got his, uh, podcast as well that, that we'll do, uh, all the time. I mean, you're every, multiple podcasts for that matter, <laughs> because I saw you're doing something with Adam Taylor over on Heavy now. You're all over the place. Yeah, I like to keep busy. You know, there's bills to pay, college to to get saved for, so we we, we got to do it all. So this right here, it's it's a little bit of a and, and Evan can attest to this. You may not know this, Keith. I, I I don't expect that all of our guests are are diehard listeners and viewers of this show, much as I would like you to be. Uh, th- <laughs> this is kind of a catch up show for us because over the last couple of weeks, we've we've dovetailed into becoming a uh, a celebrity podcast. We we had Donnie Wahlberg on a lot of good Celtics talk in there, obviously some Patriots stuff too. Last week we had Tom Everett Scott on. Uh, so not as big a Celtics fan. We were talking a little bit more about his Boston fandom in general and his acting career and, and some good stuff. Like it was a great show, but now this, now we're getting back into the nitty gritty of the green, which I, I think our listeners probably appreciate a little bit. And there's, there's some catching up in, in the sense that we haven't in great detail talked about the Al Horford extension and, and just sort of the climb that this, the, the ascent that this team is on right now. And I think it's perfect. Perfect timing to have this show on the heels of an embarrassment of the Suns, one of the best in the West in Phoenix, a perfect road trip so far, and of course on the cusp of a finals rematch in Golden State against the Warriors, which is coming up as we sit here and chat a little more than 24 hours from now. So good timing to just kind of take the pulse of everything, and I'll just start things off, Keith, by saying I I love, I love, love, love. I can't say it enough. I could scream it. I love what is happening right now with this team in terms of of the mission statement, in terms of everyone keeping their heads, even Keel, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, effectively both saying none of this means anything unless you win Banner 18. I love where they are at mentally, and I think it's going to take them a long way. That is arguably for me the best part of this too is that their quotes after each game and they, they seemingly get kind of more impressive each game on the floor. Uh, but it's a lot of, you know, ah, we didn't really defend too well or we turned it over too much or we could have done this better in this stretch in the second quarter of a game they won by 20. And they, they're obviously very, very focused. It's, you know, I know we were talking briefly before we started about our shared frustrations with the Patriots. Patriots, but it's almost like a Patriots like approach where it's like, hey, it's just we're focused on the next game. And within that, though, there is a bigger picture where, you know, we, we've got to just keep keep doing and keep moving and trying to get better. And I think that's that's huge. They, they're not, you know, nobody before the Suns game wanted to talk about the Warriors game. 
It was the Suns game. That was it. That was all that mattered. Let's talk about that. And then now we can talk about the Warriors game moving forward. So I think that's an impressive mindset that's going to serve them well, uh, and, you know, all the way through the rest of this regular season, which honestly, we're starting to get to the point post Christmas in a few weeks where it starts to become a little bit of a grind for guys where it's just, it's kind of like the dog days of summer and in the baseball season where it's, we just got to get through February, March and get into April, May when the playoffs start. It's funny that you bring up the connection or, or sort of the, the similarities to, to the Patriots, uh, albeit obviously in an opposite effect of, of success right now. But so I, I was on, uh, my, my guy Brady Farkas show the other day and he asked me, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing his question, but he basically asked, are Celtics fans getting it all kind of, you know, after reaching the finals last year and hoping to get back there this year and how well they're playing a little bit bored for lack of a better word with what's happening right now where it's like all right you know wake us when we get to the to the east finals in the same way that patriots fans for so many years with tom brady was all right none of this like the regular season whatever they're going to win 10 14 games 12 14 games like just let's get to the afc championship game and then the season starts you know that cockiness that we had for two decades with tom brady and, and bill belichick working together and and I said to him maybe just because it's early in this and that took two decades to really get to that point emotionally I don't think any Celtics fans feel that way I think we are all and I, I include myself in this I think we are all just so enjoying the ride and the rise and the climb and what they are achieving because it you know while it's it's come easy quote unquote so far this year historically it certainly hasn't and these guys are so young that it's just fun to dream about the fact that it could be like this year after year yeah i think you have celtics fans who are kind of split into some some different camps here but are all at the same place in the end and you've got the first group who was like i told you you know i knew this was coming and (laughs) this is why we can't trade these guys you gotta stick it out then you have the kind of other part of the group who was like well, prove it to me. And now they're like, Hey, they proved it. You know, and in the end, it's, it's, it's funny because I see it being on Twitter as much as I am. They, they still want to go to battle with each other. And in the end, they're both like, no, they're awesome because, you know, and it's like, you're both getting into the same point. Just enjoy it and go. So, but yeah, I don't think there's a sense of taking it for granted. I know it was a huge Patriots fan. I took it for granted, but, but before it kind of all just, came to an end. I was very much like, well, they're just going to be good for forever. And it was funny because then I, I kind of flipped a switch when they, they, they went back in, right. They went into the period where they didn't win for a number of years. And then they won the last three uh, when they won. And those last three, I enjoyed, I don't want to say more, but I really tried to frame it as like, this is never going to happen again in my life. And, but there was a point prior to that, where I took it for granted very much, where I was like, you know, remember, it's, I remember having a conversation with my dad, and it was before the uh, Rams Super Bowl, the second one, mm-hmm. and I said to him, I said, remember when we were just, like, laughing hysterically that this team, that my entire life was basically terrible, punctuated by a couple moments of excitement, and now it's like, they just they they win all the time and and then he goes he goes yeah he goes, he goes I remember when we got so you know angry about like why are they not winning the Super Bowl they should have just won zero sixteen and you know, all the <laughs> silly stuff you say but yeah I don't think Celtics fans are, are there yet I think for the most part it's hey I'm I'm gonna enjoy every second of this team and and how they push this thing forward yeah you can put me in that ladder camp there I'm way into the I'm enjoying every second of this. I don't think anybody's getting too far ahead of themselves because I think if you're really, unless you're uh, just hopping on, and this is your first season really watching the team. <laughs> I think most people understand there's a long way to go here. Um, a, but B, like the fact that this is happening in real time, you have to enjoy this because I mean, I, I'll go back to, I'm not going all the way back, but you go back to like the first game, Hayward, Kyrie, Hayward mm. breaks his ankle in five minutes. Like it can be over super quick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, that team accomplished a lot and, you know, set some of the groundwork for the team that we see today, obviously, with, with Tatum and Brown getting so much mm-hmm. run at such a young age. But, like, that's how quickly this can change. And so you better enjoy this right now because, you know, at some point there could be a huge major injury coming. We don't even know that it, what it is yet. Um, hopefully this team gets through this thing unscathed and, and gets to the NBA, it gets to the playoffs healthy. At this point, like, I, we can talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but the only thing I care about is health. 
that's it. By the end of the season, if everybody's healthy, I'm good. We're going to be in a good spot. Um, but I, I but, mean, but if I can cut you off for a second, what right. I will say to that, but to both of you is, you know, and I think Keith already alluded to this, and I know we talked about it off air. The fact that like they just went out and trounced the Suns at their high point by almost fifty points in Phoenix without two starters because we still include Rob Williams in that he hasn't played a second this year but he's still their starting center when he does come back which could be in a week or two they're winning games in some cases without three starters or without three starters and you know a key reserve like without four of their top eight nine guys in their regular healthy rotation so you know just to sort of piggyback on what you're talking about the depth here yeah. is no I and we said it in the offseason like the, it's not surprising but at this, in the sense that it was expected, but it is surprising that it's just so good. It's yeah, well, so it's performing at such a high level. Think about all the time we spent on the reserve guys, thinking and fighting over like who's going to take this spot, this spot, and this <laughs> spot. Well, first off, that's all mattered. By the way, like all mm-hmm. of those little spots have mattered. So, like again, Adam, you and I in the dog days of summer when there's nothing going on, like. For the fourth straight episode, we're going to talk about the 14th man in this roster. Yeah. Kevin Kelly, get that. Like, we talked so, but all no, of but like Luke, Luke Cornett and Blake Griffin have mattered a lot. Absolutely. I mean, Blake, I, you know, people might think we're, we're blowing smoke here, but Blake in, in these spot starts of Al has been amazing considering what I remember watching Blake do. Well, he was playing with the Nets. Like he's mm-hmm. playing, he's really contributing to winning basketball, and he's not perfect. Nobody is out there, okay? But Blake gives you energy on both ends. He knows how this offense works. Pretty, I'm pretty impressed with that, considering he's only been here for a short amount of time and only played with these guys a short amount of time. You can tell he knows where he needs to be on both ends. He takes charges. I love for the fact that he really crashes on the offensive glass and tries to get them opportunities. He doesn't have the same athleticism anymore. We know that. But he makes up for it in effort. And Luke Cornett giving them solid minutes. I mean, Paint Pritchard barely plays. And when he plays, he changes the energy in the game. This is why I think we're starting with the please appreciate this because they're getting contributions 1 through 11, 1 through 12, 1 through 13. It's all blended together to play. And this is the best basketball they've played. I mean, look, the 08, 09, 010, like that's a really special group. And you can't get lumped in with that group until you win a title. So I'm not going to go that far yet. But this is the best basketball Celtics fans have seen in 20 years. And if you want to go further than that, I don't remember the 86 Celtics. or the I was not born yet, and I've seen – bits and pieces, but I wasn't going along with every single regular season game like I am right now. If somebody was like, hey, this is the best basketball they've played since the 80s, I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're wrong. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I think to to that, the, um, the 08 team, the KG Pierce team, that, that whole run, that was so foundationally built on their defense. They they were impossible to score yeah. on at times. And I think the offense was it was it was a slog at, at times for that group. They there there were times that they, they might beat you by 20, but it was gonna be 90 to 70. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't gonna be you know 110 to 90. And, you know, so that that group there, and I think I said this the other day, and I had a couple of people like, I don't know, that might be going too far. I do remember the 86 team. It's one of the first teams I like really remember being super duper invested in and watching, you know, every game that I could. It was that the 84, 85, 86 run there that really was my foundation in in basketball and that that 86 team this team moves the ball like no Celtics team since that team and and it's and I think I go back to it was almost a year ago when Marcus Smart was basically begging Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to like it's gonna come back to you you just have to trust us you know just just you know be be with us go through this with us and and when they finally did that's when the team started to take off they locked in some defensive stuff as well last year but this year it's like gone to a whole new level where I think Tatum and Brown they're so willing to give it up on those driving kick plays because they know all right it may circle right back around to me wide open for a jump shot. We've seen that time and time again this year, or, you know, the secondary attacks. I think Malcolm Brogdon has brought a whole new level to, to what they want to be. And the one thing I will say too, with the fans, which I think is, has been great is 
how I know they're not buying in is it was probably right around just before Thanksgiving. So about two, three weeks ago, um, I, I look at the comment section on the, on the articles I write quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot in there of, uh, you know, man, this team is dominant and let's just get to the finals and all this stuff. And over the last couple of weeks, it started to turn into, uh, you know, they're really, really good. And I still think they're going to be the best team, but we got to clean up turnovers. We got to clean up the defense. We need to make sure we rebound in the clutch situation. So it's now like fans are even buying into what the team is telling them of like, Hey, we're not perfect. So they're starting to not nitpick, but just starting to point out like, yeah, if we could just clean up this one thing too. And, and that's been a lot of fun to watch that development as well well i want to read something too that uh evan had sent me the other day um oh boy <laughs> well it's a, don't worry it's a, it's a it's a stat it's not a quote uh you would send something from stat muse uh, on our text thread uh, about this celtics offensive rating this season in october 119 which would already be good for first in the league by the way 119 points uh you know offensive efficiency points per 100 possessions november 120.8 since thanksgiving 124 the best offense is is all the time getting better is what it says there with with that stat and obviously led by tatum and brown and smart and you know i i bring that up because keith you know mentions the ball movement and and so many questions surrounding what has been and articles have been written about it nationally. It's not just the local guys anymore. Uh, what has been a, an historically great offense. I mean, truly this has been we're early, like we're not even a third of the way into the NBA season, although we're pretty close. This is the best offense statistically speaking that we have seen in the history of the NBA. And people keep asking Keith, is this sustainable? Is it sustainable? Can they keep it up? And here is the reason, and you just alluded to it. Here is the reason why, yes, it is sustainable. The ball movement, the way they are moving the ball with such fluidity, so effortless, just guy to guy to guy, getting it around, back to Tatum, whatever, and getting the looks that they're getting and getting so there. It's like they're just in the gym taking open shots all the time. So that's why, like, people, you know, wonder, and we've talked about it on this show. Are the, are, are the three point percentages that, that some of these guys on the Celtics that are all like above 40%, are they going to drop off? Is water going to find its level? All of that. I would say no. I mean, maybe a hair while Tatum and Brown climb and smart climbs a little bit. And, you know, the general average pretty much stays the same, even if some guys fluctuate a little bit. The reason that I don't think it's going to move all that much is because of the ball movement and the looks. They're just getting open shots in the in the freaking why and it's 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 easy for lack of a better word it's relatively easy for them to just go out there Horford Hauser obviously Grant White Brogdon you name it like they're just knocking down their open looks the whole make miss league thing well they're making them and if they keep doing that then yes this world beating offense Keith is sustainable yeah I I agree and and I think What's going to be funny is they're going to go through a roughish patch at some point, right? There'll be, there'll be a game or two or maybe even three in a row where they just don't shoot very well. And, and I'm going to be very curious to see if people are like, wait, what happened? And somebody figure something out and, and with that. And I think it's just because, because that will happen. But I think when you look at the totality of the season, yes, they have some guys who are shooting above their heads. But when you look at the, the other guys, who we expect to shoot better, they're not. So I just don't, I think as they come up, to your point, even if other guys drop a couple percentage points, Tatum and Brown are going to come up a couple percentage points. And it's generally NBA players tend to shoot really well on open shots. And the Celtics are generating, if not the most open shots in the league, it's got to be really, really high. I think also their shot profile is great. They have outside of Jalen Brown pull-ups, which... I am a hundred percent fine with him taking mid-range pull-ups because it feels like he never misses one. Mm. Outside of those, they don't really take a lot in the mid-range. It is basically layups, three-pointers, 
or they get themselves to the free throw line. And that is so huge. And that's, you know, getting to the free throw line now, like Tatum does, you, you've seen a few points in this, this year where things have been kind of tight, just puts his head down, bulls through a guy and gets himself to the line. And that's kind of how they resettle. I thought the uh, game against Brooklyn where the Nets were giving them a little bit of trouble. The Nets, you could tell were kind of like, all right, we saw Miami do this the game before. We're going to get real physical. We're going to really hit these guys. We're going to be super active. And when it got a little bit kind of messy, Malcolm Brogdon came in and just was like, everybody relax, settle down. Let's just kind of do our thing. And having him off the bench is great because normally we think about the benches. That's going to be an energy guy who comes in and plays, you know, know, lights out and is, you know, a hundred miles an hour and all those things. And instead the Celtics have this guy who comes in and plays like the, you know, over 35 league at the Y, you know, just kind (laughs) of moving it slow, but always getting where he wants to be. And he's just kind of making things happen. And I think that's the cool thing uh, with this team. They can match basically any style you want to play. Yes. Miami gave them some trouble, but it's going to be very, I, the point I made when somebody said that they give the league, the bull, the blueprint. And I said, maybe, but does the league have the personnel to pull that off? Right. Because Miami is super physical. They want to play that way. They basically said, hey, we're going to dare the refs to call, you know, a million fouls if they want tonight. They didn't in that game, and it just got, you know, messy. And the cool thing was for me was the Celtics didn't wilt like we've seen them do in past years, where it's like, all right, everything's going against us. We're not getting calls. We're, we're going to spend the entire time complaining. They did it for a little bit. Then they kind of got back to it and said, all right, let's just play our game. It was right there at the end. And if Jimmy Butler doesn't make like three hero shots, which mm-hmm. tends to be what Jimmy Butler does, uh, they, the Celtics win that game too. And the, the win streak is, I don't know, what would it be at 10 or 11 games right now? Right. You know, that, that's why I'm not worried about, about a loss like that because Miami had to do everything right and they still barely get out of there with a win. I'll tell you what, though, watching the end of that game and and the shots that Butler was hitting, the shots he was creating, the way he was taking over and just, you know, obviously, I, like I, I took some flack on Twitter for this, but I do believe it. I, I don't view Jimmy Butler as a superstar. I view him as a guy who has superstar moments. And and oftentimes they come late in games. And absolutely, he was he was doing it right there. It just made honestly, it just made me appreciate the fact that he didn't hit that three pointer back in the back <laughs> yeah. in the East Finals. It's like Absolutely. you know what, do do whatever you want right now, Jimmy. Yep. Just thank thank you for missing that three when you had to hit it because that would have just wrecked everything that we're talking about. But with respect to this offense right now, and, and it is like it's it's on the ascent. Well, the defense is quietly ascending as well, and and you don't think about it as much because there's still you know a lot of people still look at like some of the traditional stats. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're still they're still allowing well over a hundred points a game, and so people don't necessarily lock into defensive rating the same way that that we react when we see them put up one hundred twenty five or one hundred forty points a game offensively. But uh, they've climbed to the top ten. They're ninth as we sit here in the NBA after being bottom ten for so long. And I know that it's not wire to wire number one like last year. But they are they are climbing. They are top 10 in the NBA in defensive efficiency right now with Rob Williams slated to come back sometime between now and Christmas. He's he's coming back, folks. He's on the way. He's scrimmaging five on five. He's going to be back. Woj is talking about it. Rob is returning. My question, though, is before we talk about defense at some point here, how much does Rob, in, in your mind, elevate the offense, Keith? Yeah, I think what it gives them is that real major play finisher at the rim, which is there they are lacking to an extent. It, it's by no means is it a weakness or anything like that because they're obviously still doing just fine with it. But when you have it just Rob Williams hanging out in the dunker spot, uh, as we're kind of running that four out actions with the good spacing, that's a completely different feel than Luke Cornett being in that spot, even Al Horford in that spot, certainly Grant Williams or Blake Griffin. Teams just, they're, they're going to regard that differently. And I think what that does is that creates a whole different thing because you're going to see sometimes Tatum and Brown, I think, especially early in the year, they would drive and it was like, oh, I want to throw the lob here because I drew the help. But it's like, oh, Al is drifting out to the corner versus going up up at the rim, you know. So then it'd be all right. I gotta throw up something, you know, that I didn't intend to actually shoot this myself. And and I think that's what's going to change things. I think it, it, they'll look different for sure than, than they do right now. It won't be as much five out. 
But the thing I think people are forgetting is Rob Williams is a very, very good passer. So you can at times put him into some of those five out actions where he'll be the initiator, whether it be a dribble handoff, a screen. They really like to run those pitch back plays and those kind of things, whether it's something like that. And then what he'll do is then he just kind of works his way down to the block. And as you're in, the defense is now in scramble mode because you've had him in rotation because you've hit the paint twice. Then the next thing you know, it's a lob to Rob and it's a dunk. And that's, that's what I think we're going to see look very different with this group, but I don't think it's going to be worse. And that that's the thing I keep trying to tell people is different is not worse. It's, it's, you know, yes, they may fall off some because when you're historically good, there's really only one way to go is Hmm. down, but it's not going to be because Rob Williams came back. It's just going to be because that's, that was some natural uh, regression to the mean there, but yeah, they, they're, they're going to be great when he gets back to on the offensive end. Yeah. That's the thing that Keith mentioned about the health defense that comes when Jaden or, or Jalen or smart or Brogdon or white, like when they penetrate into the teeth of the defense and they get in the, and they get in the paint, they get in the lane, like that help comes up. And as, as you know, Keith uh, referenced, like a lot of times, you know, that could be a guy that Al has, you know, that's supposed to be guarding Al, but Al is now drifting in the corner and to, to make the spacing better, you know, throwing it up to Rob is actually a better shot than throwing it out to Al at three point range. He's going to be flat honest about that. And the other thing that's going to be interesting is the offensive rebounding opportunities that they're going to have because Rob is clearly their most athletic player um, and is going to be able to gobble up some stuff. And he has just terrific vision. Um, how many times have you seen Rob like dive for a ball out of bounds and just like f- somehow find someone at the three point line on a random tip out and somebody has an open shot. Like that's, that's going to be added to that too. And, and put backs on the offensive rebound. Like that's all going to add. Like I, I agree with Keith. It's going to be different. Is it going to be better? I don't, you know, that's, I can't, can't get on that quite yet just because like, how can you get better than the best ever to do it? But at the same time, they're going to have better opportunities possibly with Rob in there. I think it will take some time. I think Rob's going to need some time to to gel with everybody and gel with this offense. But, I mean, his life's going to be super easy. It's not like he's going to have a really hard time to get points. Like He's just going to have an easy time. And that's the thing that's so remarkable about this offense is they seem like they get so many easy good looks at the basket. It drives, I think it drives other teams crazy. Like I've referenced this a few times on a, in this pod and, and other podcasts. Um, Keith, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to listen to other teams broadcasts when they play the Celtics, but yeah, I do sometimes. It's so fun because they're like, Oh, well they can't keep shooting like this. And then like by the third and fourth quarter, it's like, well, they're all open <laughs> shots. Like, what do you want? And this is going to be more of that. I think with Rob, because of the element that he's going to bring, like, and the, the best thing I thought, I think is because He's unlike any player they have. He's going to change the geometry a little bit on the floor. I'm I'm really curious to see what what Missoula comes up with to, to to take advantage of that. I mean, it's just again the the rich keep getting richer here, and and Boston's in a really good spot. Um, I I'm I've been uh, of the mindset like let's just hold Rob out for as long as humanly possible because they clearly don't need him at this current moment. But at the same time, like you do want to see it with this quote-unquote uh, offense looks like at full capacity, you know, like you can uh, – I, I I don't know. I'm I'm just excited, that's all. I'm excited for Rob. I'm excited for everybody. But, man, this has just been – like just too much – too much good stuff happened. Too much good stuff happened. Yeah. Listen, I, you, I, you, didn't need, you didn't need Jalen Brown starting the fourth quarter in Phoenix with the team up <laughs> 75 points either. But no. sometimes you just do things because they feel right. Yeah, yeah that's funny, that. right? I think to Evan's point too about opposing broadcasters when I was putting the takeaways clips together after the Raptors game for Celtics blog, it was all of the clips came from the Raptors broadcast. And there was a play late in the game when it was still fairly close where the Celtics, they, they hit the paint like twice on the same possession. The ball pinged around. Jason Tatum had initiated everything, worked its way back to him. He hit it. And all you could hear, I think, I think it was Matt Devlin, the, the, the Raptors broadcaster. He went, yep. <sighs> it was just <laughs> this full like resignation of, Yep. Well, that, that's it. It was the one that basically that kind of ended the game for you know, all intents and purposes. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I think that's what one of the kind of things we're, we're going to see here. And on, on Rob, I had this conversation uh, with, with some people where they were like, well, how long do you hold him out? Like they, they, they really don't need him. And I said, well, if he's a hundred percent, he should play, but that's mm-hmm. not 99. That's not even 99.9%. When he's a hundred percent, play him. Now, 
you play him and you be super careful with him. You keep his minutes down. If he's feeling anything, you sit him back out. But a hundred percent is a hundred percent play. There's no no reason why you can't play when when you're at a hundred percent. You just got to be very cautious and very careful. And I, I don't think. Hey, it's funny. I was kind of laughing. I said, I think what we'll see is Al Horford continue to do plays the front end of a back-to-back, doesn't play the back end. And Rob will probably do the opposite, right? Because he's probably not going to play back-to-backs either, at least not mm-hmm. early in the season. And you know, right now, you're you, this great start has kind of put you in the position where, you know, it's you and Milwaukee. So you got to hold them off because they're, they're, despite how great Celtics are going to play, and the Bucks are only right behind them. But it's just kind of get into the playoffs and and get there mode because you you you're afforded that by by racing out to this great start. Let's take a quick break. Tell you about our good friends Bet Online. Of course, BetOnline.ag. That's the website you want to go to. Basketball. It's long back. Heck, the All Star Game isn't too far away at this point. And Bet Online, your top source for all your sports betting needs throughout this season. You will find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, game trends at Bet Online. You name it. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, giveaways even all season long. This will not surprise you. The Celtics, the 21 and 5 Celtics are the title favorites at plus 300. The Bucks come in second at plus 600. The Warriors, the next opponent for the Seas at plus 800 with their stars in and out of their lineup. Really embracing load management this season, Golden State. It's really been something to see. Next coach fired. It's nice to not have a Celtic in that category. Steve Clifford at plus 300 is the favorite at bet online. Uh, Jamal Mosley at plus 400. Dwayne Casey plus 500. Uh, somewhere on there is is probably Doc Rivers as well. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events. Bet NFL. The playoffs are not too far away. The fantasy playoffs are going on right now. I don't think you can bet on your teams, but heck, you could try. You could ask Bet Online to make a line for you. NBA, NHL, MMA, tech, uh, tennis, boxing, golf. Uh, futures are available all over the place. It's it's crazy how much you can lay some coin on if you want to. Head to betonline.ag. Join, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use that promo code. It is CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. All right. So we have spent, uh, many, many, many shows uh, over this season, the years, life, it feels like talking about the growth maturity of Jason Tatum. And I don't feel like there are enough. Or maybe I've run out of superlatives, quite frankly, to to just fawn over Jason Tatum. So you know what? I'm not going to do that right now. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fawn over Jalen Brown. And I wish I wish he was here to hear me say this because it, short of, you know, hearing it like Zoom face to face, I don't think he ever will. He's probably not a listener of this show. But I would I, I put it out on Twitter too, Keith and Evan. I don't know if you saw it. I just Just an apology. An apology to Jalen Brown because... I've never doubted his development, his growth, his desire, his, you know, like all of the things that make a good player great. I've never doubted that Jalen Brown has those attributes ever. You know, I, I always have, have marveled at the fact that it seems like each and every offseason, no matter how short the offseason, he adds something new to his game. He takes it to another level. But what we are seeing so far from Jalen Brown this year, I always thought, and this is no knock, like there are only so many of these guys. I always thought that his ceiling, his ceiling was perennial all-star. And how many of those guys are there? A couple dozen? Like there aren't many. Maybe 20 perennial all-stars, 15 perennial all-stars. I thought that was like, that was the height. Jalen Brown, though, is playing at an all-NBA level. He is playing at a far more exclusive level than I ever thought possible for him. I thought, you know, like Jay- Jason Tatum is that guy. Like he's that superstar in waiting and and now a superstar. He's that future MVP, maybe even this year in the NBA. He's that future possible scoring champion for the Boston Celtics in the NBA. Jalen Brown, though, at career highs in scoring, in rebounds, in blocks, in field goal shooting percentage and free throw shooting percentage. The rebounds aren't, the the assists aren't far off. He is just having a transformational year, Keith, that each and every night I'm more and more impressed. Yeah, it, it's really 
yo, I, I've long felt with Jalen Brown when he made errors, it, it's a really good example of errors of commission versus omission where he was just trying too hard at times. It was like, I have to make something happen. And, and I don't know if that was always just that I felt like the team needed me to do that. I'm trying to compete and show who I am as a player. I, either way, it's not, it's not a bad thing. You know, those aren't, you know, bad things. I've never once looked at Jalen Brown, even when I've been like, boy, that was a bad play. I've never thought, what a selfish player or anything like that. I've never had those moments. It's just been, hey, come on, trust the the, the system here. Trust your teammates. It doesn't have to all be you. I think back to that that Atlanta game from last season when they played without Jason Tatum and he, he want to say he had like seven or eight turnovers and no assists and took a million shots. And that was one where it was like, you had to trust in the guys a little bit more. So now flash forward to this year, they play against Washington. Jason Tatum doesn't play in that game because it was basically turned into a rest day for him. And Jalen Brown was amazing. He did his scoring, but he got it all in the flow of the offense, all in the flow of, all right, I'm going to take a few more shots because Tatum's on here, but I'm just going to kind of do my thing. And that, that's, that I think is what's so exciting about watching this team. Uh, you, you have both of these guys and there's, there's nobody else who has this in the league. There's other teams with two really good players, but there's nobody where, all right, the one guy is off. So he's only going to get 20. Tonight, so the other guy steps up and gets 35. Like, they're, they're just, they, they, teams don't have the two scoring machines the way Boston has them. And that, that is pretty cool. And I, and I think this stretch here where he's just played three games, 107 plus minutes, and he's had one turnover in those three games, you're showing signs of, all right, I can do these things. I can be a little bit better. These are what I can do. And it's funny because I think people keep wanting to put a ceiling on Jason Tatum. Like you said, right? Because like, I was with you. I was like, I might once in a while make an all-NBA team. If everything goes right, maybe that's where he pops, but he's really an all-star. That That's what he is. But then looking at it, it was like, no, I think I need to start changing that assessment. It might be he's in the mix every year for all NBA. And as long as the team keeps winning, that's how you get to all NBA level guys. Yeah. He's been a lot of fun to watch develop. And anytime somebody says Jalen Brown can't do this or can't do that, seems like he comes back, you know, whether it's the next season or sometimes in season with, all right, I can do this and I can do that. And that's a lot of fun too. Adam, I texted you October, I texted the group chat on October 5th. All NBA Jalen question mark. And I think we're even further down that road at this point. And I think what's interesting is if Boston ends up with the top record in the league and they have the most efficient offense in the league, uh, I'm not going to say they're going to finish with the most efficient offense in NBA history, <laughs> but I think they're going to probably have the best offense in the league barring major injury here. Um, at that point, like just because of the team accomplishments, I feel like you have to have two guys on all NBA. I mean, I just, I feel very weirdly about, you know, Jason obviously is going to make it. The question is, what team does he fall on? And right now, I think it's a a pretty good lock for first team All NBA. But obviously, again, we're not done yet. But where t- where Brown would end up on the list, I, I I find kind of curious whether he's going to be labeled as a guard or a forward. I think is interesting. You know, he plays a wing position. I guess if you go back to the traditional sense of things, he's a two guard. But he really plays more like a forward. And if they play, you might be able to do it because they're playing these smart and white lineups a lot where smart and white are your backcourt and Jalen and Jason are part of your front court. So maybe you can get it done that way. But like, you know, second team all NBA at this particular juncture in time feels like sort of right. But at the same time, Keith, in this sort of world, you kind of have to bounce someone before you get you know, on the team yourself. And I'm not quite sure who Jalen could bump. Like, because Durant's having an insane year, okay? I know that they might not – I mean, they're up to fourth in the East now, so maybe not as much. But, like, he's been insane. He's been outrageous. Um, But, like, other than that and Tatum – No one should look into trading for that guy. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but, like, you know, where where does Jalen fall on the NBA list I think is going to be a, an interesting debate as we, you know, get towards the end of the season. But I think – Season ends today. He's second team All NBA, no question. Am I crazy on that, Keith? No, I don't, I don't think that's crazy at all. I think there's a you know, really good chance. I mean, and you, I think part of what happens with with the All NBA is uh, 
sometimes guys like Jalen can get hurt in the voting because if too many people vote him as a guard versus a forward, we saw that happen to Jason Tatum just a couple of years ago. He got he got really kind of you know missed out because of the way the votes came in, uh, you know, at different positions. So that that becomes something we'll have to keep an eye on. But I think for now, uh, what you do is it's just you, you kind of start looking through, you kind of you know, pencil in all your guys. And, and at this point, most of the voters, they've probably got about 20 ish guys in, you know, for 15 all NBA slots. So some of them are going to be locks. You're just going to drop them in there. I think, you know, Tatum, Giannis, Anthony Davis at this point, guys like that are, are absolute locks to be there. And then you just kind of go from there uh, with, with this, but yeah, we're, we're and it's, it's funny because on one hand, it feels like it's not even Christmas yet. It's early in the season. But then on the other hand, we're a third of the way into the year by the end of this road trip. So it is one of those things where it's like, it's not quite as early as it seems because that second half, it zips right by because you do take the long break for the, the all-star break, you have the week off and those kind of things. So it happens very, very quickly that it goes through. But I, I think, yeah, for Jalen, just kind of keep do, doing your thing. And the biggest thing that'll help him get that spot is they just got to keep winning games. And if they keep winning games, especially at the clip they're winning them at, they're absolutely going to get rewarded with two guys on the all NBA team. Can I don't want to turn this. Can we just I, go, I, over, go ahead. Quickly, like contractually yeah. for, for the audience here. If Jalen makes all NBA, does that, he can, we can trigger the extension this upcoming. Five, yeah. Five for two ninety after this season, he could, if extend. he makes all NBA. So, yeah, essentially root for Jalen to make all NBA because they can offer him the max extension and that gives them a, a year, you know, earlier than they they would if he didn't make it. Right. That's correct. Do, Absolutely. Do, we, yeah. do we assume, though, Keith, that like uh, we, we throw out the numbers and, of course, like to us, it's a no brainer. But do we assume that one, the Celtics would offer that the second they could and two, that he would sign it? I think the answer to both of those is yes. We've never seen a player turn it down. Um, people keep saying, well, Kawhi did turn it. Kawhi did it and it never it never really got to that point with with the Spurs where it was even offered um because they knew he didn't want to be there. So it but in this case, yeah, Boston would a hundred percent offer it because you can't you can't let him go at that point. If and one thing is if you don't offer it, that's insulting, right? It's like, hey, wait a minute. I just, you know, earned my way into this. You gave right. it to Tatum, no doubt. Like, why is there any kind of doubt with me? And then I think my the and I'm not trying to bring anybody down here, but if it was offered and he didn't sign it, that becomes now we're living in a whole different world of what is the future of this team? What is the future of Jalen Brown sure. with this team? Cause there's no, literally no reason for him to wait because how those con, cause I've seen somebody who said, well, maybe he bets on himself and gets even more money. No, how it works is it's going to be for 35% of whatever the cap is. So they'll sign that in advance. We'll, we'll, well, I'll be one of the first ones to be like, here's what the numbers are on the deal, but it's going to be, it's 35% of the cap. So if the cap goes up, he's still, he's going to, he's going to see that even if he signs a year ahead of. What yeah. So it's not like a, a blanket two for two or uh, five for two ninety. It's five exactly. for, you know. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Money. Being max for, you know, whatever the amount of, uh, of the cap is. I wrote about it extensively on spot track. If anybody wants to look, just Google Keith Smith, Jalen Brown spot track. It'll pop right up and, and you can read about all the different options and why. Cause I've seen some people say, well, why won't he extend right now? Well, he'd leave a ton of money on the table if he extended today. Right. And that's even without, you know, any all NBA considerations going in. So that, that's, that's a big chunk of why he's not signing an extension now. So even though he is eligible, but because it just doesn't make sense. And it's kind of the same thing we've gone through with other guys around the league. You know, we've talked about it a million times. Guys just don't do it because it doesn't make sense. But yeah, in this case, did Boston would offer it. I'm 90% certain he'd sign it because that's also, I, I have to live in the real world of the NBA where if it does all go south a year or two into it, just ask for a trade. That's just mm. how it works in this league. And that's just where, where it'll go if, if everything fell apart. I don't want to turn this into a talking point just in the interest of the time that we have left in the show, but I just want to mention sort of in passing because I joked before, but, but I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy, Evan, that we, that, 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 I mean, we together, I, I think, but definitely this show emphatically on the right side of history in the number of times discussing the potential summer swap. This show never wanted Jalen Brown traded for Kevin Durant. Never wanted to see it. Didn't even want to see a one for one. Not that that was mathematically possible, but just to highlight how much we didn't want to see the trade. 
didn't even want to do that swap, let alone the depth it would have required, you know, sacrificing with Brown to get Durant in the first place. So uh, I'm I'm just happy. I'm happy that that has worked out for Boston and obviously for Brown as well. Yeah, my new my new like uh, I guess my new like uh, talking point. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's like one of the things that I'm very like emotionally invested in is just clowning all the people that said the Derek White trade was bad. It's just like, to <laughs> oh me, my God. Like, I just, they're like, oh man, he didn't really have it in the NBA finals. I'm like, yeah, well, neither did Tatum. Like, neither, a lot of people didn't have it in the NBA finals, guys. Like, it just, it just didn't happen. But like, having Derek White is better than not having Derek White. And they're like, well, that last, I'm like, that pick is not going to matter. Like, don't worry about that. Um, but like, th- what Derek White has done, and he was on old man the three, and I'm 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 like a quarter of the way through it, so I'm not totally all the way through the the whole interview yet. But like Derek White's just a guy like you want to have on your team, and it's just easy to root for, and does all the right stuff. And you know, you listen to him; he's so such a humble person, considering mm-hmm. his you know. It, it, if you don't know Derek White's story by now, in terms of how he got recognized, uh, like basically at the last minute to get a, a D one spot, uh, eventually in his you know college career, like. He's an incredible story. A, easy to root for. B, but he just does all the right things. And then Ben Sullivan working with him in the offseason on that jump shot has paid off tremendously. Cause it's like, oh, well, if Derek White like, figures out how to shoot, like, look out. Guess what? Derek White is shooting the crap out of the ball right now. And it add that to all the things that he, all the little things that he does on the defensive side of the ball, how he pushes the pace, how he gets everybody in the right spot. Like, you know, they have Brogdon, but like they also have Derek White coming off the bench too, or starting, depending on what they want to do. Like that's such a, a, a huge luxury. It's insane. So we've moved on from the Jalen Brown is underappreciated or Jalen Brown, uh, should not be traded to any regard for Kevin Durant. And now my new thing, Kaufman is people needed to, to, to respect Derek White more because he didn't when it first happened. And but before it's too late, you better hop on this train too, because Derek White rules and everything he's been doing. It's been tremendous. I mean, he's a big, another big reason why this team is 21 and five right now. Yeah, I, I think that hate on the Derek White trade was way off base. I thought he was a big part of giving this team what they needed. And then I think where Brad Stevens excels is unlike others where we've seen, and he's not the dual coach GM, but he's still a coach who's become the GM where that has failed is trying to, I got to give the, the coach everything he needs today with no looking forward or anything like that. And, and then I think what Stevens has done is he's able to say, all right, you know, maybe maybe adding Malcolm Brogdon is a little bit of overkill. Maybe we could have been okay with Peyton Pritchard if he just played more. But you know what? Why even take the chance? Let's just go get him and let's make it happen. And I think when you have a guy like Derek White who starts, comes off the bench, he's still going to play his 25 minutes a night. It's got to be effective in whatever you ask him to do. He doesn't really seem to care either way. And then with Brogdon, I think the fun thing with him, because a lot of the same people who hated on the white trade were the same people in my mentions hating on the Brogdon trade with the, you know, well, why did we have to do this? And that's another first round pick and all these things. And it's like, who cares about first round picks that are 25 or later? Like, it does, you know, those, yeah, maybe it'll matter, you know, five, six, seven years from now. But if you win a title or go to a few finals in between there, you're not going to care about a pick, you know, seven years down the line, like what would have happened in the white uh, deal. But I think what's been cool with Brogdon is his candidness about, hey, I've gotten hurt a lot in my career and not. It's not as much for him. He just said this recently in an interview. It's not just about playing a lot of minutes, but it's also I had to play a huge, heavy usage role where I had to do everything for those Pacers teams. And he said, I just wore down and it you know got to me and I started missing games. And I think on this team, it's one, again, you're feeling anything. There's the guard depth. You take the day off, take two days off, take take a week off if you need. But when he's out there, you don't have to do everything. Just be, be another, another cog in the machine. Just kind of play, play your role, do, do what you're asked, do your thing. Um, with that. And I think that's been really great with both of those guys. And again, 
we, Davey, I know, because I think I did one of those summer shows with you guys. We were like, well, let's talk about the depth. And it was like, well, you know, Brogdon seems good if he can stay healthy and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I even have people occasionally being like, should we think about trading one of these extra guards to go get something and Peyton Pritchett? I'm like, right now you don't trade anything on this team. You just keep it moving exactly as it is. Maybe by the time we get to February 9th, the season will have told us something and something will have emerged as a need. But for right now, just 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 keep things moving. There's no reason to make any kind of trades or anything like that because the last thing you want to do is upset any of the balance. All right. Uh, before we go, uh, something that we have not talked about in weeks because our recent guests are not part of it, but Why that changes here this? today. Why even talk yeah, about our- our, uh, we got to bring it up. Our, uh, our, our Celtics beat invitational fantasy basketball league. That we have here. Uh, there is, there is only one winless team so far, uh, at 0 and 7 on his way to 0 and 8. And that is the guy who flipped to the fingers, Evan Valenti. Uh, meanwhile, uh, our, no, not great. Uh, our guy Greeny is out here taking it very seriously and he is 7 and 0. Nothing but respect for that. Uh, Mark Murphy. Uh, bet me dinner on our matchup last week and <laughs> lost. So he owes me a meal and his dues, uh, which he will pay. I'm not worried about him. He's just enjoying retirement. But Keith Smith out to a five and two start battling Murph right now. You got a barn burner at the moment. How's the uh, fantasy hoop season treating you? Yeah, it, it, it's going well. I got off to a little bit of a rough start. I think, you know, we're early on, but, but it's, you know, the team's starting to come together. It was funny because that a couple of people were like, man, like, well, why did you take Robert Williams in that draft? They're like, he might not even play now. Like he's just sitting there chilling in my IR spot. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. throw him out there when we're ready to go. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty, pretty psyched about that. I feel really good about, about the team I put together. Hey, all I know, our locker room's great. My fantasy yeah. guys are playing hard. They're, they're, <laughs> they're working hard. So I feel really good about it. If I have one, uh, I mean, it, it makes it more challenging, so it's fine. But I have one, if I have one regret, and it's obviously impacted you the entire season, is that I didn't do multiple IR spots as opposed to just the <laughs> one, because then you would have had a little more flexibility, some, you know, roster movement and that type of thing. But you've had to just play with what you've got more or less and, and lock the, uh, you know, just lock Rob in, in the dungeon there for a while. Yeah, and then it's uh, it's gonna pay off down down the line. Oh, yeah. I feel pretty good about it. So I'm no, yeah, no, I'm 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 happy with it. I uh, I was I was I came away. I I did a handful of different fantasy basketball leagues this year, and I and I tend to be the guy who it's usually sometime around January or February. Like I just forget, and then like, yeah. they don't set a lineup, and then it's like Wednesday, and I'm like, oh crap. Um, and then I figure it out, but. I had one goal and I was like, I want to get Jason Tatum on every team I have. Cause I picked Tatum to win MVP before yeah. the season. I thought he was going to have a monster year. That league is the only league that I don't have Jason Tatum. In. <laughs> hey, yeah, I had the opportunity to draft Jason Tatum and I didn't do it. I, I drafted uh, Joel Embiid instead. So yeah, I think Greeny had the pick before me and I think he snagged Tatum right before. Yeah. Me. It was, Tatum was not getting past Greeny. Trust me. No. I, I debated it. <laughs> And I kept thinking about it, and I kept thinking about it, and I was like, well, my teams in football have been a disaster. So um, let's." I, I tried to, like, I did the emotional hedge where I don't take a player <laughs> that I want to do well. So I was like, we'll just we'll just take Embiid, and if he dominates, great. If he doesn't, well, you know, hey, we'll see how it goes. I, I played the health card too much, and, like, Davis has been really good, but Davis yeah. has also been, like, in and out of the lineup, like, right. every other night. So it's just hard to get any – like – Cade Cunningham's gotten hurt. You know, Anthony Edwards, that whole situation in Minnesota has been a dumpster fire. <laughs> all my, all my gambles just didn't pay off at all. So, you know, Hey, you know, that that's life. That's baseball, Susan. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get back to it at some other time, but it's just been a brutal start for your boy over here. Oh, and seven. What am I? Oh, and seven. Oh, and seven. Yeah. Oh. And, and taking on Bobby Manning, who is, it was like basically as bad. He's one and six. And I don't even, even know if he sets his lineups. You need to. You need to get going with it. Even Washburn's won a couple games by now. Yeah, Washburn (laughs) beat me last week. Yeah, so there you go. All right, this show powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Been a while since Keith's been with us here on the show. We enjoyed the uh, reunion here, Keith. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we, we will meet again both on this show and in the fantasy streets as well. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, for Keith, for Evan, I'm Adam. Go Celtics! Take down the finals rematch, folks. See you later.